This week on Bloodstream, we get a preview to the March episode of Flow with hematologist and founder of Let's Talk Period, Dr. Paula James, with my guest host, Jessica Richmond. And hey, what's all this discussion about non-viral gene therapy? We'll hear from Doug Kerr, Chief Medical Officer from Generation Bio, to tell us all about it. AAV gene therapy is a one-shot therapy. You got one shot at it. And one of the advantages of non-viral gene therapy is we can redose as often as we need to get every patient into the right range. Hi all, I'm your host, Amy Board, and today I have a guest host. It's me, Jessica Richmond. Hi. Reminder, Jess and I are podcasters, not doctors. So speak to an actual doctor before making any healthcare decisions. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to us, tell a friend, and hey, welcome to Bloodstream. I had a great, great discussion with Doug Kerr from Generation Bio that's coming up. Generation Bio is investigating non-viral gene therapy. That is a thing. So I'm excited to share our conversation so you can learn all about it and audio meet Doug. But before we go any further, hi, Jess. Jessica Richmond, co-host of our podcast, Flow, is uh, saving me this week. She's guest co-hosting. Jay Rich, how are you doing? I'm so excited to have you here. It's an honor and a pleasure. I have you, I have my coffee, and I'm so excited to be on Bloodstream. Hey, dear listeners, I want you to know that the Bloodstream podcast is made possible by our presenting sponsor, Takeda. Hey, that's right. Takeda. Takeda's got this website, bleedingdisorders.com, where you can learn all about the resources for and their commitment to the bleeding disorders community. You can learn more, of course, simply by visiting bleedingdisorders.com. One more time. Oh my goodness. That is bleedingdisorders.com. And for their founding and ongoing support of Bloodstream, I'd just like to say thanks, Takeda. Well, happy Bleeding Disorders Awareness Month. We've made it. It's actually the month I enjoy lurking on our community's social media pages, which I admit is a little bit creepy, but I do love seeing the Bleeding Disorder Pride all month. Everyone's wearing their red ties. It's, it's Washington days, so everyone is uh, advocating at their federal legislator's office. It's great. Social media is looking great. Everyone has like banners and things. Jay Rich, do you love a yeah. good awareness month? Like, oh, do you yes. just love a good awareness month? Mm-hmm. I've ran out of red clothes already, so I'm in my maroon today. To honor things, but I also am oh, aware that like this is the madness. This is March Madness of Awareness Months. There's Rare Correct. Disease Day we had, International <laughs> Women's Day this month, yeah. but most yep. importantly, of course, Bleeding Disorders Awareness the whole yes. month, the which whole means month. we get to do a daily dose of bloodstream. Daily dose. That's daily working great... day dose, by the way. You get Saturday and Sunday off, cool, but a cool. daily dose, which I think is legit. Um, we're putting out a mini episode a day. Most of you know. If you're subscribers, you instantly get that. So make sure you subscribe. Um, Jay Rich, you hosted several of these episodes coming up, and I thought your episodes in particular were really unique. What were your takeaways from the two that you hosted? Oh, my word. A of all, I have reconfirmed my faith in the youth movement after talking to Sarah Jestrap. You'll hear her March 8th. Um, the value of finding your dream doctor. She talks about it as a woman, as a woman mm-hmm. with a bleeding disorder. Mm-hmm. And she talks about doing all this while living in a remote area, which mm-hmm. is a fascinating part of the healthcare system. Uh, and secondly, I got to speak with Dana Francis, who mm-hmm. you all probably know from the amazing documentary, Let's Talk, um, the mental health doc. On March mm-hmm. 22nd, we're going to have a special mini episode of Bloodstream on grief, where uh, Dana brings us much clarity 
on individual grief, community Mm -hmm. grief, Mm -hmm. and taking time to unpack caregiver grief. Good grief all around. Mm -hmm. And grief Mm -hmm. is important to make time and space for. And I think that's what we learn with Dana. I I had the privilege of sitting in on both of those interviews that you did, and I loved the questions you asked. I thought they were just different and like a different angle than some of the questions we just typically ask in the community, I think. You asked Sarah in particular, like, what what was it what is it like being a woman in this community which i thought was just a such a provocative question i don't think we ask that like we talk about women in the community but just to bluntly ask that i thought it was wonderful and her answer was fantastic and dana was just really lovely and you know it was just it was just a really lovely topic to kind of touch on Yeah, here, here. It was a calming experience to just talk about what can be challenging with grief. Mm -hmm. And with Sarah, I mean, obviously, I'm all about women talking about menstruation and bleeding of all kinds more often. I think it's going to help society. I do too. Here's to that. Here's to that. They're short baby episodes, you guys. It won't take much out of your day. I think like 10, 12 minutes max. So make sure you subscribe to get those in your podcast player or you can visit bloodstreammedia.com to uh, hear all of those wonderful interviews and to hear Jay Rich. So anyway, we just uh, wanted to give a send up to that. Happy Bleeding Disorders Awareness Month. We're psyched. Um, And since we are so lucky to have Jess with us today, I thought we'd give a preview to episode three of Flow because your guest was none other than Dr. Paula James from Let's Talk Period. She's the founder of Let's Talk Period, but I should mention she's an extremely well-respected hematologist as well. She's kind of like one of the pillars of those hematologists, especially women hematologists. Dr. James is great. Um, yeah, what was it What was it like? Tell me a little bit about that interview. What did you guys talk about? What was, the, what was the sitch? She's stunning. She's stunning right. in every sense of the word. <laughs> and... Um, uh, the Let's Talk Period team, which is so amazing, not to be confused with the Let's Talk documentary, but Let's Talk Period, just a little plug. She and her team, we found out, are legitimate superheroes, OBGYNs, hematologists by the day, dedicated vigilantes supporting women's health all the time, not just at night, during the day, all the time. I really love like how you guys have structured these first three episodes of flow because the first episode really laid some groundwork about what is normal in terms of menstrual cycles, bleeding, you know, what, what caregivers and mothers can discuss with their young teenagers expecting their first periods. And then the second episode, you guys dug into what is abnormal. And the thing that was kind of, um, a new thought for me is there is a difference between abnormal menstrual bleeding and disordered menstrual bleeding. And so this third episode, we truly get into disordered menstrual bleeding. We get into Von Willebrand's disease, um, platelet dysfunction, um, and some of the treatments. And I think the diagnosis journey, um, which was just fascinating for me that there was a difference. And this episode uh, packs a lot of punch in my humble opinion. It does. It does. And we we got to speak with um, a patient, Michelle, about her diagnosis Mm -hmm. journey and then hear Dr. James talk about it from the the doctor perspective. Um, A really holistic episode about what it is to have a disorder, find out you have a disorder, try to treat a disorder, um, all while managing cycle bleeding, menstruation. Um, I think we have a clip from Dr. James specifically about um, the percentages of women who have disordered bleeding. Let's listen into that. Many women 
up to 50% of women at some point in their life have problems with heavy menstrual periods. And there are a number of reasons why that can happen, many of which fall under the realm of a gynecologist. But study after study has shown that a very significant minority of anybody with heavy menstrual bleeding has an underlying bleeding disorder that's causing the problem. So 15, 20, 30%, depending on the study you read. So there definitely are a group of women where that's the thing that brings them to medical attention. Wow, I that that number to me, 30% of women have an underlying bleeding disorder. That kind of blows my mind. I guess where my mind goes is I would I would expect that maybe a lot a, a large range of that percentage, that 30 percentage, have no idea that they have an underlying bleeding disorder and maybe treatment options. Right. Absolutely. I mean, I always have a question about statistics. I mean, how many of the, where are we getting that number from? It's right, more right. likely than not even larger than we think, because how are people reporting? How is the research getting done? I mean, 30 percent is well on its way to a large enough percentage that women are impacted. Women who don't know they're impacted are impacted. Mm -hmm. I agree. I'm kind of going rogue with this next question, but what has it been like working on this podcast on flow? What, what have you learned in particular about the bleeding disorder community and what, what's kind of your passion and, um, I don't know, fervor going forward with the podcast? Oh my word. I mean, I, I, I consider myself so lucky to get to be speaking regularly to doctors about their yeah. experience as doctors. My health literacy by working with Christy Van Horn, the amazing co-host on Flow, has gone way up. I'm taking her course on disparities in the history of healthcare, and it's phenomenal. So, I mean, my my IQ has raised since working on Flow. I'll say that for sure. Mm -hmm. It's great to have a chance yeah. to talk to doctors. And then to be, in, to be in a position to advocate for the women in this community is something I feel honored to do. Having worked with the teens in this community in certain capacities over the past six years, I see the journey that it becomes, that it takes to become a woman. And then to be yeah. dealing with that, managing that reality on top of a bleeding disorder, um, I'm continually inspired because I think while there's not conversation going on and on yet, there will be. And the women who are going to be talking about it, these young women especially, are so aware of their own experiences. So, yeah, flows yes. inspiring and intellectually stimulating. Hey, listeners, if you have a story or a question um, in particular for our co-hosts of Flow about menstrual bleeding, about normal, abnormal, disordered bleeding, about... Um, some other women's health issues that you would like to address or let us know about, tell your story or ask an expert, please let us know. You can find both Jess and I on Instagram. Uh, we'll put our information in the program notes and you can always email us at mailbag at bloodstreammedia.com and uh, we will get back to you soon. But check out Flow. If you haven't subscribed to it, you can subscribe wherever you get those podcasts and of course on bloodstreammedia.com. Um, but Jay Rich, I, I just I'm, I'm excited. I always love talking about it. It's one of it's been one of the most inspiring projects I've worked on. So I just appreciate you taking the time to talk about it. Oh my word, you have helmed it. You have helmed it, Amy. You are the creative director. You have like given us a place to go with all this great information to make sure it's compacted for listeners. I'm grateful for that. And you've let us do my crazy You're Not Crazy segment, which I also want to plug really quick because you listen through the end after all these doctors giving great information and we give you a little pop culture tidbit 
tidbit to remind you that <laughs> you menstruators are not crazy. There's a lot of stigma out there about what it is to be bleeding from yourself monthly. And uh, we're here yes. to remem- remind you that it's completely normal. And that was the mission from the start yes. that you led. Thank you, Amy. Yes. For your leadership. You're welcome. This is, this is great. It's, it's a great listen. I can't stress enough how great of a listen it is. So, Jay Rich, thanks for sharing all that with us. Thrilled you could hang with me for this episode. Stick around for the end. Let's get to our interview with Doug, shall we? Um, there's so much buzz around viral gene therapy. You've heard us discuss the AAV virus quite a bit, but non-viral gene therapy um, is something that Generation Bio is investigating, and it's different than the viral vector gene therapy that we regularly hear about. So we discuss this and more with Doug Kerr right after this break. I'm here with Doug Kerr, Chief Medical Officer at Generation Bio. Welcome to Bloodstream, Doug. We're so excited to have you on. Thanks for having me. So you have a pretty unique background, uh, I, I think. You're a neurologist and a neuroscientist with a lot of experience in drug development. You also have a business degree and experience with financial modeling, portfolio management, and corporate strategy. In other words, you've had your expertise in your hands in a lot of different pies over the years. Why did you originally start in neuroscience and why the array of drug development and business experiences? And basically, why are you now the chief medical officer at Generation Bio? Wow. That's a that's a lot to start with. Um, I know, right? Um, I I have always been fascinated by neuroscience and the brain and how the brain works and how neurons fire and that gives rise to thinking and feeling and emotions and behaviors and things like that. So that that was kind of the the origin of my career. I always really wanted to link science into clinical aspects of disease. And so I did an MD and a PhD program at the same time. So I could do exactly that, where I'm really looking at the science of disease, but linking it into patient experience and disease in order to really develop therapies. And so my career has always been centered around genetic diseases. How do genetic mutations cause a variety of diseases in the nervous system, but now over the last 15 years, other genetic diseases throughout the body. And while I was in academic medicine, I very much um, kind of spanned clinical practice to disease biology, and that has always fascinated me. And I've been very passionate about that. and. Um, About 15 years ago, I got the opportunity to move out of an academic setting into a biotechnology company called Biogen, where I led the development of a therapy for children with a genetic disease, in this case, spinal muscular atrophy. And that's a disease in which children get very weak and, and they lose motor function and strength. And and they die actually very early in childhood. And I led a group that was very, that that created a new therapy that is now approved for those children with spinal muscular atrophy. And so that was kind of the first um, exposure that I had of linking science to disease biology, to therapy development. Mm 
And um, and so the business degree came in really so that I could understand how we put all of these pieces together in developing a therapy for patients with disease, right? Mm-hmm. And how we create a company and how we develop a therapy. And so I wanted to put all of that expertise from the, the science side to the clinical side, to the business side, to the drug development side. And that's really what got me to Generation Bio. Um, and so I was involved in the, in the startup of this company and they're really putting those pieces together to say, can we create a new and better gene therapy that can do more for patients? Hmm. And that was four years ago. And I came in as the chief scientific officer to really establish what can we do and what can we research and how can we move this toward the clinic and toward diseases. And so we built the company from, I was employee number five or six, I think. And we're now at about 125 people. And um, we've come a long way and I'll talk about really what we hope to do. I recently have moved into the role of the chief medical officer. And what that signifies is that we've, we've, we've done a lot of research and we're now squarely moving that research toward clinical development. And we're really doing that with our lead indication in hemophilia A. So we've made a lot of progress and we hope to begin clinical trials in, in the future that will test the safety and the ability to correct hemophilia A, among other diseases. Um, and that's really my, my, my top priority at Generation Bio as the chief medical officer is to get us into the clinic. And, um, you know, I speak for the entire organization when I say this is a really exciting time for us at Generation Bio. Prior to joining Generation Bio, what was your understanding of hemophilia? Did you have any professional experience prior in hemophilia? Oh, yeah, I did. Uh, When I went to Biogen, Mm -hmm. um, Biogen is a company that has been deeply involved in hemophilia, specifically uh, with uh, developing programs uh, for factors, long-acting factors Mm. in hemophilia, Mm -hmm. alprolix and eloctate. And uh, while I was there, I I deeply interacted with several people that are well-known to the hemophilia community, like Rob Peters, who is a scientist who has really developed some of the long acting factors and also Glenn Pierce known to probably virtually everybody in the community (laughs) um, who is a, who is a good friend and advised me then and continues to, to advise me now. So I got a really deep experience of the scientific aspects of hemophilia, but also, also the unmet need and really what the community wanted and needed and, Um, And that felt to me to be a very important uh, part of the training. After Biogen, I went to Shire. Shire also has a series of hemophilia programs, namely Atvate and Adenovate, and um, have an AAV gene therapy that I worked on. So I was even involved in AAV gene therapy for hemophilia. Um, So I learned a lot there as well. And then you know, I should just finish by saying Generation Bio, our CEO is Jeffrey McDonough, who's a 
who's an awesome man and also has a very deep experience in hemophilia. He was the CEO of a company called Sobi, uh, which really developed along with Biogen these long-acting factors. So there's a there's a lot of expertise that I have really uh, been engaged with over the last uh, 10 to 15 years. And within Generation Bio, we are really expanding our expertise. We're beginning to engage with the hemophilia A community to really learn further what we what we should be thinking about and doing. And you know, from from all of that, it becomes really clear that like the most important thing that we can do in developing a therapy for hemophilia is to listen to the community, to learn from the community what's needed, and then to be willing to build a program that really tries to meet those needs. Hmm. There's so much buzz right now in the hemophilia community about viral, specifically uh, AAV gene therapy. And can you explain to our listeners how this non-viral gene therapy that Generation Bio is investigating differs from viral vector gene therapy and perhaps maybe share a bit of the history of the scientific development thus far? It's a great question. I mean, you know, viral gene therapy is being developed for hemophilia and has been um, really very, very important in improving the treatment and standard of care uh, for hemophilia patients. Um, But it has some limitations. And one of the things that we wanted to do is see if we could develop a platform that would overcome or stand on the shoulders of or be kind of generation 2.0 of gene therapy that would be more impactful to patients. And that's really what we're doing. So non-viral gene therapy is something that scientists have been working towards for more than 40 years. And what it really means is we're delivering the gene, factor eight, for hemophilia, but we're not giving it in a virus. We're giving it in the form of a lipid particle that delivers the gene directly to the liver. So with viral gene therapy, we hear a lot about AAV. That's just a delivery vehicle to get the factor eight gene, which is inside the AAV, to the body. But that's not the only way that you can deliver a gene to the body. And we've developed another one, which is this, what's called a lipid nanoparticle that delivers the factor eight gene. And there's several advantages, we think, uh, with this non-viral gene therapy. The first one is that you don't have to exclude patients due to pre-existing immunity. So some patients, some individuals have been exposed to AAV in childhood. And so they can never get an AAV gene therapy. You have to actually exclude them because the drug will never get to the body because of the immunity. The second thing is that AAV gene therapy is a one-shot therapy. You got one shot at it. And what we're seeing in AAV gene therapy is that sometimes you get the right dose and sometimes the patients get the right expression of the gene, but not always. Sometimes it's too high, sometimes it's too low. And since you've only got one shot at it, there's nothing you can do about that. And one of the advantages of non-viral gene therapy is we can redose as often as we need to get 
every patient into the right range. So for hemophilia A, that's a particular level of factor eight expression that really is right for that patient. And you can imagine that that's not the same for every individual. And the individual and the, their physician would really have a maybe a target level of factor eight. But the ability to redose with a non-viral gene therapy platform allows you to individualize that way. And there's one other thing really is that it's really important to be able to give this gene therapy essentially at the onset of disease before there's been damage from bleeds in hemophilia A. And that often means going into children because you don't want to wait until adulthood. And yet viral gene therapy is largely limited towards adults and non-viral gene therapy allows you to go in at the beginning of the disease, get to an appropriate factor eight level that protects from bleeds and then episodically dose throughout childhood to keep up with the growth of that individual to keep the factor eight level exactly where you want it to be. Now, the other important aspect that is shared between viral and non-viral gene therapy is that we think once you get to the right level, the durability lasts for years. We've seen that with AAV gene therapy, and we think that will be the case with our platform that you know, once you get into the right range, you're good to go for three, four, five, maybe 10 years, something like that. We don't know for sure. But AAV gene therapy may not be forever. I mean, it may not last forever. And yet you cannot redose with AAV gene therapy. But with our non with our non-viral gene therapy platform, if the expression wanes over time and it gets a little bit too low you can redose and kind of boost such that the level gets back to where you want it to be. So we think that it may be a lifelong therapy for these individuals. And we think that's that's really important. That is so exciting. And it lends into my next question, <laughs> which is expectation management. You know, we talk about this a lot on Bloodstream. Um, so you can, can you help our listeners understand where Generation Bio is um, in terms of their drug development process as it relates to hemophilia? And what can our listeners uh, be keeping eyes and ears out um, as the year goes on? Yeah, that's a really great question. And I think it's really important because as we start to establish a relationship with the hemophilia community, mm -hmm. we want to be really honest and mm -hmm. really clear where we are and what we can do and, you know, what we're still yet to find out. Right. And so that expectation management, I think, is really important. You know, we're a young company. We're about uh, four years into our existence and we are recreating or, or not recreating. We are creating an entirely new platform. And there's a lot of work ahead. You know, we are, we are preclinical, which means we do not have any clinical studies at present. Um, we are expanding rapidly, developing the expertise and really um, understanding how to safely move this toward the clinic. Our expectation is that our first clinical trials in hemophilia and some other genetic diseases will begin towards the very end of next year. That's 22. So there's a long time between now and that, but that's, that's 
that's a lot of work for a lot of people at Generation Bio to make sure that we really do all that we can to understand the capabilities of the platform and to move it forward safely toward the clinic. Um, you know, in terms of what, what to keep an eye out for, you know, we recently reported two milestones in our development, which are really important. Um, one of those is that we have established proof of concept data with our gene therapy construct. And in mice, the, that construct uh, exhibited strong expression of factor eight in, in a mouse model of hemophilia A. Very relevant levels that we think would be, you know, if seen in humans, very relevant in preventing serious bleeds. And that was, that was an important step forward. And we also have to look at how this gene therapy behaves in other animal models, some that are more relevant to the human experience. And we've done that as well. So we will continue to do that, to build on that understanding of safety first and the ability to stably express in an animal therapeutically relevant levels of factor eight um, expression into the blood. And so that's the kind of thing that I think you'll see later on into 21 and into 22. So exciting. Is there anything else you'd like to share with us um, about your work, about your company's work and your outlook on non-viral gene therapies? I would say only that, um, you know, we, we really want to partner with organizations like this one um, to learn from this community. Um, there's a lot we don't know. And I just want to be humble in saying that we, we want to engage. We really are passionately committed to this. And we, we hope to make a difference for those who live with hemophilia day to day. But we're going to need some help along the way. I mean, our goal is to create an entirely new class of non-viral gene therapy that leaves no one behind, provides long-term efficacy, and also offers the ability to redose, to get people back into the appropriate range. And we're, we're going to develop this for a wide range of diseases, but leading with hemophilia A. And so we look forward to working with you and we hope you'll be a partner with us on this journey um, as we develop what we hope will be a really impactful therapy for individuals with hemophilia. Well, as an advocate for the bleeding disorder community, I I'll say it. I'll welcome you to the community. We're so excited that you're here. We're thrilled to have you here on Bloodstream, and we can't wait to follow um, all the news that will come out. And we can't wait to have you back to give us updates and check-ins. Happy to do it, and thank you. I want to say again, thank you, Doug. So informative. And again, from all of us, welcome to the community. As always, we've got great stuff coming up for you this week on Bloodstream. That's right. Bloodstream celebrates Bleeding Disorders Awareness Month. So we'll be talking about what caregivers go through and so many other topics. So check it out. 
Thank you, Jay Rich, for joining me today. Thank you, Greg and the Bloodstream team. And of course, thank you, Doug, for spending time with us. And thank you all for listening. And thanks, Takeda, for being the presenting sponsor of the Bloodstream podcast. Bleedingdisorders.com to learn more. And that is all for this episode. Have a bleeding disorders or health topic you'd like to hear us discuss more? Is there an expert or guest that you're dying to hear from? Want to inquire about casting opportunities for Bloodstream's narrative or docu-style podcast series email us at mailbag at bloodstreammedia.com and connect with us on bloodstream media on social media you can find bloodstream media on facebook instagram and twitter or you can follow amy board patrick james lynch or jessica richmond on facebook twitter instagram or linkedin shout out to patrick who uses LinkedIn. Check out the program notes for this episode in your podcast player or on bloodstreammedia.com where you'll find links and information related to the stories and segments featured on this episode. I am your host, Amy Board, and I'd like to thank Jessica Richmond for hosting with me today. And until next time, take self-care of yourself. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye.